Welcome back to the Puma Podcast. I'm Tori. And I'm Puma. And on this podcast, we talk about Jesus, life, and everything in between. And guys, if you're joining us on this kind of mini-series about the Great Commission and discipleship, uh, the last few episodes we've talked about kind of the overall idea of what it means to make disciples, really to hone in on the Great Commission that Jesus gave us. We looked at Jesus' strategy. We looked at Jesus's three big priorities, and that was he was missionally minded, he was relational, and very intentional. And now we're going to talk a little bit about kind of what that looks like. And I think the question, Puma, you kind of brought up earlier. Yeah, well, all right, so that's good for Jesus 2,000 years ago, but does that really work today? You know, do these things work today? I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, 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 I agree, you know, we should make disciples. Well, that's just an idea but what does that really look like? Is that possible today? Is this really what we're supposed to be about? Because right. honestly, most most of probably most people's Christian experience, it's Sunday morning, we go to church, we go to worship, and then we might do something else at the church that week or go to midweek thing, or they have kind of a, a service project. So we go and do that and and we feel good about those things. Is that what it means to to be following Jesus? Is that what following Jesus looks like? Is that what Jesus meant when he said you know, go make disciples. Right. Or is it even practical? I mean, yeah, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, yeah, relationships look different. And 2,000 years ago, you know, intentionality looked different. There weren't smartphones, there wasn't internet, there weren't cars. And yeah, I think that is a good question. The strategy that Jesus gave us, is it still effective in the 21st century? So we're going to talk about that. So yeah, let's dive in. That's a really good question, Tori. So. <laughs> yeah, I think it's yeah, your question, but yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll take that. I yeah, no, it's, it's good. So uh, does it work today? Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad you brought this up <laughs> because I have a, a well previous pastor friend and uh, we were ministry together and he, he talked about kind of these three things. Like, yeah, you know, I, I got the mission, right? You're going to get people saved. We're going to grow the youth group. And he was super relational. I mean, this guy... Um, maybe one of the most relational people I've met in ministry. He he was always having teens over. A really a a really great friend. Friend, if you needed him, he was there. He wasn't afraid to stay up till three a.m. doing stuff. Very relational. Spent a lot of time with people, and very intentional. Maybe not always intentional in the sense that like you know maybe that might not be illegal, <laughs> but he was very intentional about spending time with people. Every road trip, every you know trip to go to. Missouri to get fireworks. He always brought teens with him. He was super duper intentional, relational. And yet he ended up leaving the church. Uh, yeah, very bitter, uh, burned a little bit too, but but jaded and, and has one something to do with God now. And in his mind, you know, he did his time. He was relational, intentional, and missional. And yet the teens that, you know, got saved, got baptized, went to camp, aren't walking with the Lord. And so begs the question, okay, did that mission even work? Was it the right mission? Does Jesus' strategy to make disciples still work today? And so I guess the question for you, Puma, like, tell me about that. I mean, I know you know more of the details, but just in general for our audience, you know, does does that kind of attitude, perspective, those values, does it still work today? Yeah, so... There's a lot, I mean, there are a lot of thoughts that run through my mind as you were kind of sharing that, that story. And... This is what happens, I think, for a lot of people. We talked about in previous episodes 
we're talking about purpose, right? Kind of the overall purpose. We talked about the Bible saying that our, our, our ultimate purpose is to glorify God mm-hmm. or to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, to give God, you know, the really the exalted position and, you know, highlight Him. But when we do that best, when we are in right relationship with Him, we right. were created to bring God glory by relating to Him in a personal, meaningful way with the Creator of the universe. We know that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the big, the big picture and, and, and purpose. People always do things on purpose, and we talked about that. The right. problem is when we think that the purpose that we are pursuing is the ultimate purpose, when it doesn't give us the results that we expect, mm-hmm. we tend to have a, an ex- expectation let down. So you see this throughout life. We talk about midlife crisis, for instance. Right, I think that my life is going to turn out a certain way. I end up being 40, 45 years old. I don't quite have the career I want. My family isn't the way I want. I don't have the finances that I want. What I expected in the reality um, don't match. And so you have kind of this expectation crisis. Mm-hmm. And I think this happens for a lot of people in, in, in churches, a lot of people in ministry, because what we are expecting to happen when we give our time and our energy and our money in ministry, and then we don't see the results from that, we have this this mm-hmm. expectation crisis. Mm-hmm. And so you, you see this a lot. Jesus, this is this is what's so amazing about Jesus. He had his eyes and his heart fixed on the Father. And what did the Father want him to do? Even if the Father said, I just want you to stay here for three weeks. If that's what the Father wanted Jesus to do, Jesus did that. Mm. And Jesus found fulfillment in that because he was in right relationship with the Father and obeying the Father, what the Father wanted for him to do. And the, the, the cadence or the pace of Jesus' life seemingly was slow, according to us, right? He didn't, I mean, especially the first, we, we looked at this in a previous one where he just mm-hmm. spent like one winter right. up in Galilee. Yeah. That first winter doing, I mean, it really doesn't say he did anything. Well, was Jesus a failure that winter, or was he doing exactly what the Father wanted him to do at that point? You see, sometimes I don't think we really ask God, God, there's a lot of things that we could be doing. What do you want us to do? Hmm. I mean, one illustration of that is from John chapter 12, where um, Mary pours a perfume on Jesus's head. It's like a, a week or two before, you know, Passion Week, and, and the disciples get mad at Mary for what she did. They rebuke her. And Jesus says, no, she has done a good thing. In other words, what the disciples thought would be a good purpose for this, you know, really expensive perfume, a year's worth of wages, and what Jesus thought would be a good use of that, like a year's worth of wages, were very, very different. Mm-hmm. You see, it's not what I want it to be like or what I expect it to be. Is what does God want it to be like? What does God expect it to be? And so this is why we always have to be aligning our, really, our expectations This is why it's so important to get to know Jesus in the Bible and to study his life and get to know his values and his priorities. Because when we start looking at Jesus, his values and priorities begin to reshape our values and priorities. And so that's becoming like like Jesus. So so for my my youth pastor friend, I I hear what you're saying, and and that's good. He would say that it didn't work. I mean, he would say, yeah, I, I was... I tried to do those things. I tried to be like Jesus to this youth group, to this church, and it seemingly failed. 
and disciples were not made, at least in his mind, and it kind of crashed and burned. So again, great for Jesus, different time. I mean, what would you say to, to him to kind of like, well, maybe here's why it failed, you know? And, and I, I do know, I mean, I know more of the details, and, but I'm curious for your thoughts yeah. on this particular situation. Well, again, what are we seeking to do? Jesus said, Jesus didn't say go and make converts. He didn't say go and save people. He didn't say go and be super relational to everyone. He said go and make disciples. You can do all kinds of fun things. You can, I mean, we could really be really attractive and really put on a show and get a lot of people here. Is that what it means to make disciples? Now, maybe that's what God wants you to do. Maybe maybe it isn't. But see, when when the question isn't, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And who do you want me to connect with? But we just get this idea in our head. And I think in this situation, kind of a popular model, if you build it, they will they will come. Right. Right? right. That's that's kind of a popular idea. If you build it, they will come. And if they come, they will become. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a popular mentality, kind of the bigger, the better, more people. And so it's also a definition of success um, in terms of numbers. Jesus was not interested in numbers wide, but in quality deep. Quality mm-hmm. deep is lasting and will last beyond me. Numbers wide, but not deep, will will fall off the right. vine. It's a fad. It's a temporary right. Yeah, hi. Yeah, we'll, we'll fall off the vine. So we think if we just get people in, but it's more than that. When we talk about relationships, some people are highly, highly, highly relational. Some people are not. I kind of like the illustration of like a Lego, right? We've all played with Legos, right? <laughs> if you had a good childhood. <laughs> if you had a good childhood, yeah. Have a good childhood. Like all, all the favors say I out there. Yes, Legos. <laughs> Legos are good. I still like Legos. Playmobiles. Yeah, Legos. So you have a, a Lego, right? Got, got a piece? Mm-hmm. Uh, Legos come in different shapes and different sizes. So let's just take a Lego piece and let's suppose it has, you know, maybe 24 of those little buttons on it, right? A little to snap mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. right? There are some Lego pieces that only have eight, right? Little flat pieces right. that have eight, right? Is one better than the other? No. No. They're both people, but, but their capacity to have other pieces snapped onto it is mm-hmm. different. Right. Right. Yeah, different function. Different function. Yeah. So people relationally, some people have a relational capacity to have a lot more people snapped onto their life. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they're they're God designed them to be super relational people, uh, extroverted and whatnot. Other people are more introverted, more kind of laid back. You know, really mm-hmm. uh, just have a hard time with a lot of c- relational connections. Sure. Yeah, can't be super duper social. Yeah, and that one isn't better or the other. When we talk about relational. We're not talking about someone that is able to go out there and connect with a hundred people. Mm-hmm. We're talking about someone who is generally willing to invest their life in someone else or someone's else, if you have the capacity to do that, where you're willing to let your life um, get into their life and their life get into yours. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. it's life on life relating to each other or discipling each other. Because this is what Jesus meant when like in John 3.22, that he took the disciples out in the Gian wilderness and spent time with them. That's what the word means, mm. that he, it's not we're just 
a relational person. I'm a, I'm a outgoing person. It is that he went out there so that Jesus could intentionally spend quality time as well as quantity of time so that who Jesus was would be clearly seen. They could see Jesus. They could hear him. They, they watched what he did. They, he allowed them into his life. And so when we talk about being relational, when Jesus' strategy and methodology is relational, it means that you live in such a way that you live in relationship with people and they live in relationship with you where they can see your life, you can see their life, and then the intentionality into that. Okay, great. I have a question about that. I think we said it's great, yeah, to, to definitely be prayerful, to live in relationship with people in a way that honors God and even models what Jesus did, how he loved. And again, I guess you could even say Jesus came to seek and save the lost, but that's maybe not necessarily our mission. <laughs> Jesus came to seek and save. He told us to go and make disciples as we're going to do that. And in terms of my friend, you know, he 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 would say that, yeah, you know, people got saved, nothing changed, which makes me wonder if they were really disciples, you know. But but even taking a step back from from just that, you know, sentence you said about, you know, trying to relate to people in a correct, appropriate way. So this morning, another story, right? So, <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, I'm a little bit jaded. I'm still a little bit jaded <laughs> about this morning. So I'm in the office, no one else is there. And this lady comes in and there was a wedding at our church this past weekend. Um, lady doesn't go to our church. And I was in the office last week and they were setting up in the gym. And so like, oh yeah, we need someone to help hold the ladder and help set up for this wedding. So like, yeah, sure, I'm available, right? I want to be relational to strangers. And so I came in and I helped for a few hours. Not a big deal. Well, this morning the, the, the mother comes in and she goes, hey, you, you're the pastor, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm the youth pastor. And she goes, okay, so w- what hours are you in the office this week? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, when do you usually come into the office? Like, I don't know, like 9 or 10 a.m. usually. She goes, great. Well, Thursday, um, we need help tearing down f- from the wedding this past weekend. And so uh, I need you to help with the teardown. And here's the times that, you know, we're tearing down. And I'm like, well, I, I, first of all, I said, I'm busy the afternoon. I have to leave at 1030 to go to Camp Wapsi. But I said, I, I also don't necessarily know that I can climb on ladders and do some of the stuff they want done. And she goes, because you're damaged. Yeah, I'm, I'm broken. Yes. I've had a few, too many surgeries on my shoulder. <laughs> but, and I just said, I'm sorry, I can't do some of the things you're asking. And she goes, well, you can still show up and hold a ladder. And so I expect to see you at 9 a.m. on Thursday. And then proceeded to walk away. And so, I, you know, again, I want to be relational. I want to show Jesus. And I was like, you're kind of being bossy and I don't even know your name. And so I call out to her. I'm like, hey, excuse me, ma'am. I said, I, I said, I kind of asked, like, do you not have any help? I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not the cleanup crew. I'm, I'm here to, to pastor and shepherd people. And I asked her if she had any help. And she goes, well, my husband is looking for help. But in case, in case he can't, can't find any, I want to make sure someone can be here to help with the cleanup. I'm like, okay, well, can I at least have your number so you can let me know in case he does find help so I don't have to be here in case something comes up? She's like, nope, I'm not giving you my number. Goodbye. And walks out. So I, I, so I go back to my office thinking, what just happened? And I'm a little bit angry. And I'm thinking, okay, what would Jesus do? Well, maybe Jesus would help this, you know, kind of cranky lady. And maybe Jesus would, you know, help. And I'm thinking, I don't have any real good excuse not to help. But I didn't, I felt like I was being pushed and controlled. And I'm not sure what it means to be intentional, relational Thursday morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> 
And, and so I guess, is it ever okay to say no? Because everybody, I think, especially in ministry, needs help. We all need help. And everybody might even ask for help and maybe even put expectations on people that want to serve, which isn't necessarily bad, but is it okay to say no? If we're to be in a relationship, if we're supposed to be like Jesus and to love like Jesus, can I tell this lady? No, find some other help. <laughs> I mean, I guess, help me, Puma. Oh, what's the answer here? Because in my heart, I felt very wrong, like I'm encouraging people to boss pastors around, but I also felt it was unloving to say, no, I'm not going to help you. So I don't know. What, what would Jesus do? What would Puma do? <laughs> yeah. I love the the Tim Hawkins skit. He's learned the no, you know, any, meeny, miny, no to his kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> saying all the, the you gift know, saying of no. the gift of no, saying no. Yeah, when you care about people, it's hard to say no. Because everyone and their mother has a plan for your life, mm. right? That's just kind of how it works. And if you are a giving person, people, we honestly, there's a lot of people that don't help out, and there's a lot, a lot of needs around. So if you're a giving, generous person or a helpful person, people are going to come around and ask you for help all the time. Jesus experienced this all the time. Everyone wanted a piece of him. Mm. I mean, people wanted to touch him. He could, he could go in, you know, in the towns, and people are crowding around him. He, Jesus, what, what's amazing, you read through the Gospels, Jesus didn't heal everybody that came by. So we had talked about this earlier um, from Mark chapter 1. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. That night the whole town comes. He heals everybody. The next morning, Peter finds Jesus. He's off praying. And Jesus says, they say, hey, everyone's looking for you. We're ready to go again, you know, the next day. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, uh, basically, no. (laughs) We're going to a different town. Because Jesus had gotten up early and spent time praying, talking to the Father, and the Father communicated Mm -hmm. to him, Again, here's what you're supposed to be about. Here's where you're supposed to go. You have uh, John chapter 11. So this Lazarus, Jesus is out in uh, Perea, the other side of the, the Jordan River, um, you know, out away is doing ministry. And his good friend, and it says, one who Jesus loved, Lazarus, mm-hmm. was sick. Jesus got word that this one that he loved was sick. And this is getting close to the time where he's going to the cross, a couple months before he goes to the cross. And Jesus gets word, and Jesus looks at his disciples and said, yeah, we're not going. Hmm. How, how, do you, how do you not go? This is someone that, that it says that Jesus, how do you not go yeah. when you get word that one that you love is sick? Right, a dear friend. Yeah, and, hmm. and what's interesting, it says that Jesus, <laughs> Jesus says to his disciples, I'm not going so that the Father can get glory and the Son of Man will be glorified through the situation. In other words, what's in it, yeah, Jesus had a very clear understanding of what he was supposed to do, which clarified what he wasn't supposed to do. He couldn't do everything. Mm -hmm. He couldn't be everywhere. He couldn't be in Jerusalem and Galilee at the same time. Right. As he's traveling through a little little time after that, traveling through through Jericho, and there's a blind man, blind Bartimaeus, right? So you have this in Luke eight, uh, Luke eighteen, and Jesus is basically walking past him, and he screams mm-hmm. out, "Jesus, Son of David, have you know have mercy on me!" And Jesus is walking right on past him. Yeah. It wasn't until it's interesting. It wasn't until the disciples and the people started complaining to the guy, "Leave the master alone," that Jesus gets involved. Hmm. You almost get the impression that if they hadn't like ragged on this guy, 
Jesus yeah. would have walked right on by. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Um, so Jesus said no to people in ministry situations. He said yes to people in ministry situations sometimes that uh, people didn't want him to, to do. Uh, mm. Jesus, uh, I, I think we can walk around the lepers. I don't think you need to go over there. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going over there, and I'm going to touch them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, see, Jesus, Jesus did not walk to the expectations of the culture or even to those that he even went through life with. Mm. His, his primary motivation was, Father, what do you want me to be doing? Yeah. And when and how do you want me to be doing it? And I think this is the question when it comes to, we are called to make disciples, but that's going to look different for you and different for me or for everyone who's listening. Some people are highly relational. Some people are, mm. are introverted. It doesn't matter your temperament or you know whether or not you're a people person or not. We're all called to obey the Great Commission, to make disciples. Right. You know, For you, that's going to look different than maybe for me. You know, maybe, you know, for a person who is really introverted, you know, the question is, you know, God, who and who have you put in my life that you want me to pour my life into, that you want me to uh, develop a relationship with so I can help them see the real Jesus mm-hmm. and help them mm-hmm. fall in love with the real Jesus? Now, it, it could be just one coworker at work, right? It could be just the person right. next to you. Maybe it could be just one neighbor next to you. It doesn't have to, you don't have to you know, be the evangelist in the entire neighborhood, you know, really to pray and ask God, who do you want me to pour my life into? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Luke chapter uh, six, when it says that Jesus spent the night praying, he called all the disciples to him. He spent the night praying. And when he got done praying, he came down and chose 12 out of the many who were following. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew's or Mark's account of this in Mark chapter three uh, says that, Jesus chose 12 so that they could be with him or that could spend uh, extra or more time with him. Out of the many people that were following, Jesus chose 12, mm. which some people would say, well, that's being exclusive, right? right? Yeah. That, that's, why I, not everybody? Uh, yeah. Why just 12? Why not? But see, realistically, we cannot be everything to everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. So we, we have to really ask God. And, and Jesus spent the night praying. And what's interesting is in John 17, Jesus says to the Father, those that you gave me, I've communicated everything to them. So mm. the, you put John 17 back to you know Luke chapter uh, 6 and Mark chapter 3, when Jesus spent the night praying, and what becomes clear is Jesus spent the night praying, and the Father told him, here's the 12 that I want you to spend more time with. Yeah. When mm. I say yes to one person, I'm saying no to everyone else. Right. And Jesus did that. And he didn't apologize for it. And so mm. this call to make disciples is something that can be done anywhere in any culture at any time period because it's about people and it's my life investing it in someone else, helping them see the true Jesus, his, his character, his priorities. Follow me as I'm following Jesus. Let me help you follow, follow Jesus. And we can be intentional then in those relationships. We can... Um, prioritize time with those people. Yeah. No, I love how you pointed out Jesus spent time praying. It wasn't just his willy-nilly, I'm going to eeny, meeny, miny, moe and pick disciples, but it was soaked in prayer. Right. And Jesus was not only just intentional, he was prayerful about who God wanted him to disciple. 
And I love it how like even with my whether my story or your story or anyone's story, the blessing of God is where he wants you. Mm-hmm. The blessing of discipleship is who God calls you to. And if we have great ideas and maybe God has called us to be an evangelist, maybe God has called us to be a pastor, teacher, maybe a deacon, maybe the person that runs the sound booth, the tech, maybe the person that plays in the band, wherever God calls us, we have to be faithful. And in terms of discipleship, sometimes we have to say no to people. Sometimes we, we can't disciple certain people and maybe that's actually really good because somebody else can disciple them better. And to choose and feel the pressure to say yes to people might be robbing somebody else of that particular ministry of discipling that person. And so, yeah, no, I thank you for, for sharing that. What's well, a good application question? So, yeah, I, I just a quick recap of this episode. Just, you know, there's a lot of people asking for a time and there are a lot of questions. If discipleship still works in the 21st century. And the answer to both of those is if Jesus says, do it, do it. If Jesus says, no, then don't do it. And yes, it still works. It might look different. And discipleship might even have a different spin on it. But God is still building this church. He is still calling us to disciple others. The Great Commission hasn't changed. The the culture has, but not the mission, not the Great Commission. So what's a good application question for us? Well, a good question, I think, would be, have you asked God who you need to be investing your life into? Mm. Yeah. Now, there are some people that are our responsibility. So if I'm a parent, that God has answered that prayer already. <laughs> you know, outside of that, you know, ask God, you know, in my church family or in my mm-hmm. neighborhood mm-hmm. or at work. And, you know, another application question is, you know, just sit down and, you know, maybe write down who are the people that are in kind of the just normal cadence of my life each week. Mm. Um, yeah. Who do I... Just who, you know, in, in almost like concentric circles moving out, you know, who do I see every day? You know, maybe, maybe coworkers, who do I say once a week, you know, neighbors and, and then ask God, God, who, who do you want me to, uh, initiate or to pursue or to maybe mm. spend more time with mm-hmm. and, and, and let God, you know, answer that prayer because I think it's a prayer he wants to answer. Yeah. There, you know, maybe not all your neighbors, but maybe there's some neighbors, maybe not all your coworkers, but maybe there's one or two that God has strategically put you in yes. that place for that person. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. What a great, you know, application question, good AQ to really pray, pray through them and maybe make a list of the people that is part of our everyday routine that God might be drawing us to disciple. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in with us. Um, yeah, we just appreciate you guys joining us. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us at thepumapodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys and share this with your friends. If you think someone could benefit from this podcast, we'd love to get the word out to more people and hopefully be an encouragement to you. I know Puma and I both really enjoy um, the feedback we get and even just the encouragement to know that, again, God is still building this church. And again, God has given us the green light to do a podcast. So uh, we're going to be faithful, right? And so thank you for joining us in that endeavor. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week, Fridays at 10.10. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.